broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, Ben Ellison, you know what I'm saying, the tight end, the free agent tight end that we have from uh, North Dakota State. Um, you know, he's another guy that's come in and uh, has done, done a nice job, you know, as far as, you know, the tight end position. You know, I'm just so focused on, you know, the, the Pittsburgh stuff. It's hard, Gary. You know what I'm saying? To go back in there, I just think I just probably go through the roster and it's it's hard to, you know, say those guys, you know, some guys, you know, they're progressing well. and um, But obviously it's not at a point where we can overcome, you know, some deficiencies as far as, you know, what our record is. That is Doug Marone. Trying to get ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Trying to win a game. They haven't won one since the opening week. It's been two months for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's why we ask, what are Victory Mondays? Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers have not had a, vic- a losing Monday <laughs> yet this year. And uh, not too many people think they'll have one next Monday either, but we will see. Brett Martineau here at home for one more day. Action Sports Jack Studios are filled with Austin Lane and Justin Cousart. We call him Coos. NBA draft tonight. Probably get a little more of that talk since uh, George Bulldog could go number one. Who will go number one? What are the odds makers saying? Where's the hidden surprise in the NBA draft? Is there one? Why isn't – is this us that are not uh, locked in on the NBA draft? Or is this an NBA draft that just didn't come with the fanfare of, say, last year like Zion Williamson and because of the lack of March Madness? Uh, because we usually fall in love or see guys that maybe we don't know much about and say, oh, okay, that guy's going to be in the NBA soon. Let's pay attention to him. We'll get into that in a bit. I want to finish the conversation, though, on James Harden. You asked the question, uh, should he show some loyalty to the Rockets who built everything around him? Well, first of all, there's no loyalty in sports uh, from at all anymore. It doesn't feel like it from both sides. So I would say they gave it a whirl, Austin, and it didn't work out. And, yeah, thanks for building it around me, but we couldn't get it done. Yeah, At the end of the day, I just don't think uh, James Harden was clutch enough or has proven that he's clutch enough in the big moments, uh, more so a few years back uh, in the playoffs than, than most recently. But I don't think he can get it done by himself. Do you think LeBron James, though, staying in Cleveland or going back to Cleveland when a championship kind of showed loyalty? <sighs> Man, I got uh, – I think in a way it did, but I also uh, – that one has a different feel to me, even more so now. I think he is so in touch with history and a legacy and always has been that I can't sit here and say the motivation was pure loyalty to his hometown folks of Akron and, and the Cleveland area. I think it was, let's go make some history and do something that nobody's done here before, uh, you know. Because if you if I say yes to that question, then I have to say, okay, why did he leave? If I say yes to that question, I have to say, well, why did he leave again to go to L.A.? I think he is so aware of all the stuff uh, that I, I think this had as much to do with legacy as it did loyalty for LeBron. Okay, well, then let me ask you this one. If Giannis Kempo chooses to re-sign in Milwaukee, is that a fact of loyalty? Um, well, first or of all, is, they... Is there loyalty just out of sports completely? I think the... I, I don't think... Here's what would show me it was a sign of loyalty, man. If he says, hey, don't give me the max deal. I'd rather you go spend that money on somebody else so we can come win a championship here. And he's not going to do that. He's going to get the max deal because he should get the max deal. It's a business. Um, I think it's a fit. I think if he thinks it's a better fit, I don't think it's because you found me 
and brought me here, I'm going to repay you. That's loyalty. To, that's kind of like, hey, I'm sticking with you because you believed in me. I'm believing in you. We're going to win big here. I just don't think they say it that way. And by the way, this isn't just a player thing. I honestly don't think coaches in front offices say it that way anymore either. Oof. See, I, I wholeheartedly disagree. Like, I think if Giannis Antetokounmpo chooses to stay in Milwaukee, that shows loyalty. Because I, Go ahead, Goose. I would say I think it would be loyalty if he didn't make them trade to prove themselves worthy of him resigning. Well, they, that wasn't his call. Like, they did that. Like that, well, yeah, wasn't but their... you don't you don't you don't trade three first rounders for you know Drew Holiday if you don't think Giannis was like, hey, prove it to me, Listen, show me a better team, and I'll resign. You're gonna trade three first rounders if you're gonna be picking twenty nine thirty every single year. Absolutely, that that's a great deal. I no, mean, I agree, but I but if you're losing Giannis, you know what I mean. Like if you're gonna lose Giannis, you don't trade three first rounders because no, you really, are then rebuilding. Listen, it's uh, and it, we're referring to Drew Holiday, and then they got a uh, bogged. Donovic, too, now from Sacramento. Yes. And, no, I get what you're saying, Coos. It's the ultimate boomer bust in terms of the Milwaukee Bucks, right? They went all in and said, hey, Giannis. We're doing this for you, We're getting all this for you, so either take it or leave it. Now, if Giannis leaves, Milwaukee is absolutely screwed, and you're not wrong about that. Like, if Giannis leaves, Milwaukee's going back to the dark ages, like, hands down, because they've lost all their future capital. So I agree with you there, Coos. Jack Sigma. Jack Sigma, there we go. But Kuz, but to, I guess you know to try to counter that point a little bit though, I don't think Giannis asked him to do that. Like I don't, I don't think. I mean, like Giannis has said before, like yeah, he wants to win in Milwaukee, and that's all he's said. But I think Milwaukee kind of took it upon themselves. It's like, hey, let's do everything in our power to make sure Giannis stays. Now, once again, I'll, I'll repeat myself. I think if Giannis does indeed stay, I think that's an example of loyalty, regardless of what they have in terms of positions. Because let's be honest, man, it's Milwaukee. All right, like, and I, I love Milwaukee. I love the city. I love the Brewers, all that stuff. But it's not L.A. It ain't Boston. It, it ain't like going to Dallas right now and playing with Luca. Like, th- there's there's something to be said. I think that if he's he's gonna choose to stay, and I think it's an example of loyalty. So while, while I, I think loyalty is definitely lost these days on a professional athlete, I still think that there is some of it there. And I think that James Harden, if he was truly, you know, had that dog in him and truly believed in loyalty, he would try to make it work in Houston. Here's loyalty, in my opinion. Loyalty is Larry Fitzgerald. Loyalty is a guy that says, you know what, I'm going to keep coming back here on a one-year deal. I could, A, retire, but I want to see this thing. I want to help you through this thing. I'm not going to be the guy anymore, but I want you to be good. I want our young guys to be, I can help. I can help with this transition. The other part is he could go to a front runner. He could easily have jumped ship as a free agent, and gone somewhere. And now it's a couple of times, I believe, for Larry Fitzgerald to say, no, I'm staying here. That's, to me, a bigger sign of loyalty. It's too much of a business, man. I mean, loyalty doesn't exist in sports anymore. Loyalty doesn't exist at all in the college ranks. And it sure as hell doesn't exist, I think, in the professional ranks. I I think this is not him being disloyal. I think this is James Harden realizing he can't do it himself. And if he stays in Houston, he's going to sink into an abyss. And that abyss is nobody's going to talk about the, the Rockets anymore because they're not going to be that good. You know, everybody's talking about the Lakers. They're talking about the Nets. They might start talking. They might keep talking about the Bucks. They might start talking about the Pelicans. You know, they're talking about teams like that and no longer talking about the Rockets because – they're just okay. They're just he's a good or a great player on an okay team. And so I think he wants some of the action. I think he wants to be where it's happening. 
I think that's kind of why LeBron went to. He wants to be in the Mecca, and I think that feeds these guys. So I don't believe it's being disloyal. I also know, I don't think Harden thinks this way, but I think this is a smart decision on his part because, quite frankly, he can't do it himself. He's proven that he can't. They can't win. He needs to go find Durant and Irving or or something like that Mm -hmm. if he wants to win big. I don't know what a championship means to him. I mean, it might it might mean a ton. I don't know. Uh, we never know. They're all going to say it means a ton. You just never really know. But I think he has to go, um, you know, find somewhere if he wants to win it all because he ain't winning it on his own. Well, and that's fine. And he, he's definitely trying to do that. And I'm not going to dispute that. At the same time, though, if you do try to go to Brooklyn and you leave Houston, guess what? The history books aren't going to remember you being a champion. They're going to remember you just taking the coward's way out and saying, I had to go play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because I couldn't do it myself. Like, there was an example of loyalty when Kawhi Leonard was in Toronto, right? And he left. He went to the L.A. Clippers. But you know what? He won a championship for them. And he did it on a team where nobody really knew who any of those other players were. Like, you had Van Fleet. You had OG. You had a couple guys. But let's be honest. They're not household names. But Kawhi Leonard did it himself. He put it on his back. And I think this year, like, yes, you had Tyler Hero. Um, you, you had Spoltra as the coach. But it was a lot of Jimmy Butler and that Miami Heat. So I think, if anything, basketball has shown us the past three or four years is that you don't necessarily have to have the super team of all super teams to be successful. If you play as a team and you have that dog in you, you can be successful and maybe contend for a championship. Let me just ask you this. Kevin Durant, how do people remember him right now before he even begins his career with the Nets? Well, there's a reason why they call him the snake. No, the casual basketball fan remembers him on the Golden State Warriors winning championships. And putting them over the top. Yeah. Again. And anybody that follows the NBA refers to him as a snake or a cupcake. Okay, but again, that's and not everyone does that. That's not true. Not everyone. You're telling okay. me there's not a lot of, of diehard NBA fans that are Durant fans? I don't think so. Um, and and by the way, he's not. He wasn't loyal to Oklahoma City. And you know what? He went and won. My point being, we remember him now. We're going to remember him at the end of the day because he won and he was part of that historic Warriors team. We're not going to remember that he left Oklahoma City. I mean, I am, but, but listen, this is because I, I was following the situation. Though. I mean, this is the guy who literally, when he won the, the t- NBA title, he had a cupcake on the insert of his basketball shoe, and he showed it off. Like, he embraced kind of like the heel roll a little bit. Like, I, I get it. Like, the, that Warriors team, yeah, probably one of the best teams of all time, uh, and I will not take that away from him. But also, like, to me, that was still Steph Curry's team, right? Like, yeah, I agree me right that. now, like, Steph Curry's still there. Durant's gone. So, yes, while Kevin Durant is definitely one of the best basketball players right now to do it, the guy's an absolute freak in nature, and I'm never going to talk bad about his playing abilities. But to, but to sit here and tell me that when he went to, to Golden State, like, nobody kind of turned their nose at that a little bit and said, well, come on, man, what are you doing? Like, I get it. You won a championship, mission accomplished, congratulations. But I think the hardcore audience of the NBA didn't support that. Yeah, point being, he was disloyal. I don't disagree with you. He was disloyal to Oklahoma City. He was a bit of a snake there. But he's going to be remembered for being a part of one of the great teams of all time. He's going to be remembered for winning championships on that team. And really for, even though it wasn't his team, being the best player on that team in crunch time. He got to, he added to his brand by going to Golden State. And I don't think there's anything more to add to Harden's brand by staying in Houston. If he's going to add to his brand as champion or as whatever else clutch guy, he's got to go somewhere else to find it. And I think he's kind of in that Harden, I'm sorry, in that uh, uh, Durant situation right now to do so. You know, the other part of this one that, that gets to me is 
I think the interest – do people talk about this enough? Kuz, you pay attention to the basketball circles a lot, uh, the underbelly of it. I mean, how's Kyrie Irving going to do with this? Kyrie Irving couldn't deal with LeBron in Cleveland, had to go be a star somewhere else. That didn't work in Boston, and here he is now going to play second fiddle, most likely to Durant, and now you're going to bring in Harden, potentially, who will have the ball in his hands all the time, much like Irving wants the ball in his hands all the time, much like Durant wants the ball in his hands all the time. I think Irving's the bigger problem here in, in, in Brooklyn. I There are a lot of questions of his ability to be a good teammate and if his teammates actually enjoy playing with him a lot. Um, I think that kind of goes back to the uh, the Celtics days. But I think there's a thought that it'll work because Harden can play a lot of off-ball, so Kyrie can still be the ball handler. And then you just kind of run it, essentially like the Thunder team did, instead of it being Westbrook, it's Kyrie Irving. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Go ahead, Austin. Well, and I think I think Kyrie's gonna fit a little better in Brooklyn than he did in Boston. Like to me, playing in Boston, um, in that organization, that culture, it takes a certain kind of mindset, right? And I don't think Kyrie really had that mindset to play in Boston. Like you have to be the guy there. Remember, like when Paul Pierce, like listen, Paul Pierce for a while, aka the truth, was the guy there. Now he would go 0 for 14 some nights. Didn't matter. Like he still thought that he was the guy. I feel like Kyrie Irving is kind of more of like. He's in his own headspace so much where he's up and he's down, he's up and he's down. And I don't want to say he didn't have the dog in him in Boston, but he just kind of seemed like a head case when he was there. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it didn't work out at all. I think Kyrie Irving's a fantastic player. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, the last however long, I mean, for a guy that from a finisher around the basket, I, I think he's so special. Like when he, him and LeBron were together, uh, what he would do around the basket I, I thought was tremendous. I thought it was underrated, you know. Um I thought he was, but then he became kind of like, he wanted like to be the guy. And I don't know if he's ever going to be the guy because he was on LeBron's team and it didn't work out in Boston where it was like, oh my gosh, you're the guy. It was more like they were a team. Uh, and now he's going to go to a place where Durant's going to be the guy. Well, so. uh, let me, because listen, the, the, the kind of theme of this whole conversation here is obviously loyalty. Would you at least agree with me in terms of loyalty? Dirk Nowitzki is up there in terms of some of the highest loyalty you can see in the NBA. Because this was a guy who was obviously on the back nine of his career, but I felt like he stayed around as long as he could to make sure that he could pass the keys on to the next generation. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that's a good call. Yeah, I think uh, I think there are guys of it. You know, you got to go if you go way back. This is a, this is an easier case to make. Guys didn't switch teams teams as much. Correct. Now it's like nothing to switch teams. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. I mean, if Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are switching teams, I mean, the only guy that could have switched teams, I think, at some point that never did, and maybe they just weren't going to let him get away, is like Derek Jeter in sports. Mm. Like he's the only guy that I can that was like, wow, at least he didn't change teams, right? Yeah, <laughs> you true, know? true, true. Uh, so I I I think it's. It's not even a storyline anymore. I mean, it's just a business. It's just the way it is. Like, there is not a player on the planet that I believe, even if they're great, are going to stay with their team the -hmm. entire career. I just don't think it's going to happen. It doesn't happen. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously, guys like Jalen Ramsey might bounce around a few different times. But, you know, again, if Manning and Brady are bouncing around. Yeah. You know, Brady's situation is a little bit different because not too many guys play until they're or want to play until they're 45 years old. Sure. (laughs) So it's a bit different. And he, you know, if he had a normal career, he would have stayed there, Mm -hmm. you know, for its entirety. But now we look. Philip Rivers bounced over to another team. I mean, all these guys bounced to another team. So Mm -hmm. I just, uh, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a question of loyalty as much anymore. It's just business. You think Aaron Rodgers eventually bounces to another team? 
Uh, I'd put, um, I would say, yeah. 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 I mean, especially since they got his successor already there. Sure. You know, so I, you, know, you asked me in three years if, if Aaron Rodgers wants to play two more years, and it seems like he might be declining a shade, and we're asking that question, even though it might not really happen. Absolutely. I think he's gone, and they bring in Jordan Love. If not, Green Bay should get rid of Jordan Love. Yeah. I mean, what are they doing sitting there on the uh, wasting a first round draft pick for the next three four years, right? Yeah. I mean, so something's got to budge there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be interesting. Hey, did you see out of the NFL? Everybody's going to the intense protocols now with COVID nineteen. Uh, the NFL has mandated that, which means mask wearing inside the building, virtual. You know, Jags have been in this for, had been in this for a couple of weeks when they had the practice squad stuff happen. Uh, I think I just saw word that the Raiders' entire defense is going on the COVID nineteen list. Correct. Uh, uh, I believe it was the Raiders' defensive line. A defensive line. I'm sorry. Yeah. Didn't they have their whole offensive line like a couple weeks ago? Correct. Like yeah. go on the list. Yeah, yeah. So now, what I does guess, that mean again? Like they, they came in contact yeah, with somebody. The contact tracing. Okay. And so, where are we at with this? Mm. Like, I, I, isn't the NFL like we asked this question, right? Everybody asked the question: Are you going to finish the season? And what have I said since day one? I think you've been with me here, Austin. Yeah. They're, they're going to finish. They are going to get to the finish line. I thought some people say they were like shocked that we made it this far. Hey, if you fired it up, you're gonna finish the fire. You're gonna let it burn out, man. And and it's happening because look at the hoops college football's jumping through. The SEC had five, four games canceled last week. There's more games being canceled this week. Miami's out for the next couple weeks. Notre Dame's already been out. Trevor Lawrence missed two games. I mean, it doesn't matter. It does not matter if Kuz is playing center. I'm playing quarterback, and you're kicking. They are going to get through the season to get to the pot of gold at the end. And it doesn't matter what it looks like along the way. They are all in. And I think this is more of an example of it. The NFL is going to have to battle through it. But I think this is the NFL saying, listen, if we're going to get through this, we, we need the buy-in back. Like, we understand you guys have been great. We've navigated this. But the numbers are spiking. And we have got to get this under control, at least in our own little headquarters and buildings and bubbles if we want to finish this season because now we're getting into the mid-November and December and January where this could really elevate in terms of the numbers and again people feel different about the numbers and all that stuff bottom line is from a business standpoint the optics of that are not good Mm -hmm. if you start having numbers and trying to play through so I think this is the NFL getting ahead of it. They see what's coming. And they also know, listen, it's a long time to ask guys to buy in like this, isn't it? And and here they are saying, listen, we need it. you, you got to do this stuff. we got to do everything we can to get to the finish line. And this is one of the steps they're taking. No, without a doubt. Um, this is more, I guess, of a football, like an NFL-related question than it's college football. But listen, I mean, and regardless of what you think about the pandemic and COVID-19, I mean, the, the numbers are speaking for themselves, right? We just said the, 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 the Raiders defensive line, they're all on the, on the list right now. And I'm sure more teams are going to follow suit from there. Let's fast forward to the playoffs, right? So whatever, that's going to be jan- January. Well, let's fast forward there real quick. And obviously you, you've added the, the implementation where you can bring more teams out of the playoffs. That's great and everything like that. But wh- what are we talking about here? Like what happens? If like literally, you know, like a whole defensive line getting ready to play in a playoff game, they test positive, right? Or all of a sudden, like they get added to that list and they got to sit out. I mean, I, I get what you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me, well, it is what it is. I mean, that's that's the rules. You go up there and play. But I mean, isn't it kind of hard to co-sign on that and say, all right, well, you know, they're missing half their team. Let's do this playoff game anyways. Like you see what I'm trying to say here, Brent? 
like if if you're going to reward a team like with like a three or four seed, right? And then, and then they got to play a playoff game, and all of a sudden they can't even field the team. Like, what do you do then? I guess is my question. Yeah, I think there will be a little bit of flexibility to try to get the game played with as much as a football team has. But there's a 16 man practice squad for a reason. Yeah, and you have to be able to navigate that. Now, again. It, are there some things that are movable? Probably. I don't know how movable the Super Bowl is. Like, if you move it, if you say in third week of January, hey, we got to move things back. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not bad because the amount of people are going to be there is different anyway, all that stuff. So that's the big thing. The big thing is how does it impact that last game? Because that's what you're building toward. But the other stuff, if you have to slide a week, if you have to play on Tuesday and then play again on Sunday, you know what? Again, man, I just don't, I don't think the NFL wants it. Yeah. I don't think the teams want it, but I just think we all know, and I think they know. I think if you listen to the coaches, I think if you listen to the players, they know, hey, guys, this is not your ordinary year. And if we want to get this in, we're going to have to do some things that are a little bit out of the ordinary. And, and it, again, I, I mean, I, I'm being overdramatic and silly here, but I said if that means me playing defensive tackle one game, as long as the game is on CBS 47 <laughs> around the country at 4 o'clock on Sunday in January. Yeah. And those all those sponsors have paid for for the ad money. Yeah, we're playing. But let me let me ask you this real It'll quick. Be my first too. career playoff game, by the way. I, I, I'd pay to see that. Yeah, you said you do it for like a million dollars. Real quick though, so college football. Let's say it gets delayed in terms of the college football playoff, and it gets to the point where players um, choose to opt out because it's too close to the combine, and they're getting ready for their next careers. Does the college football playoff lose its luster then if you don't have a lot of the starters just because they're getting ready for the NFL? Yeah, I think it does a little bit. Um, I think it does. But I think it's not enough to cancel it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Not yeah. enough to cancel it. Yeah. I think the eyeballs might be down even a little bit, but not a, there's still it's still a lot of eyeballs. Sure. Right? Yep. Uh, so I think it's just something we have to continue to deal with. Hey, not so good news out of Florida State. I mean, what else is new, right? I mean, my goodness. It's the theme of the year, Brent. I might have to play quarterback in Tallahassee. Now I got another talking. year of eligibility. Sign me Scoot up. Over Chuba. Chuba, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chuba's out. I'll I know. tell you why. We'll I have know. the latest from there uh, and uh, more when we come back on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 6. Austin Lane. I want you to put yourself in Leonard Fournette's shoes. Probably a little bigger shoes than you're rocking right now. Huh? Shocker, you're wearing sandals, and that's all good, though. Brent Martino. Well, you are, you too. Are they're just like... <laughs> I mean, they're just like, look I like might vans. as well be. I might as well be. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I mean, you always like to sprinkle the ball around and, and make sure James is fresh, uh, especially going to the fourth quarter in some of these close games. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we're trying to establish a run and be physical. We know what James can do and what he brings to the, brings to the table. As long as he's healthy, as long as he's, uh, his stamina is in, te- in check, then uh, I think he needs to get the ball. That is Jay Gruden. You better give him the ball. Better believe it. One, he's your best offensive weapon. Two, let's get that young man to a Pro Bowl and finish off this storybook season for the Robinson family. For sure. Listen, has been a good year in Jacksonville for the Jags, but don't tell that to James Robinson. Mm -hmm. He is living a dream right now and earning it, but a living one. I always wonder this, Austin. How many guys, if given the opportunity and placed in the right situation, would be like James Robinson is this year. There were two teams that were even interested in him, even after the draft. 
the Jags and I think it was San Francisco, and and that's it. And so I wonder, I always wonder this, even though you have seven rounds of draft and you have undrafted free agents and you have scouts all over the place, how many guys, if given the chance, more than just like a player or two or whatever, could do what James Robinson is doing, or is he that much of an outlier to be able to do what he is doing? No, I mean, he's definitely an outlier, but the difference between this year than other years is the fact that if you were an undrafted free agent, you had a very long shot to make the team, right? Because you couldn't have any preseason games to go off of. Um, you didn't really even have a lot of live reps to go off of. So, well, listen, I mean, regardless of how you feel about this coaching staff this year, the one thing more probably than anything they got right was obviously James Robinson. I mean, they're they're the first ones to the party. They were saying, we're going to let Leonard Fournette go. Um, we really like this James Robinson kid. Now, obviously come from a small school, and maybe they didn't get a chance to meet with him a lot. Other teams didn't. But for whatever reason, you know, the, the Jaguars possibly saw something in him. Now, I, once again, and, and I'm very adamant about this. Now, whether or not James Robinson was on the Jaguars' radar from day one, so be it. But... If they really valued him that much, then they would have drafted him like in the sixth or seventh round, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the guy was an undrafted free agent. So, like, I, I, I get it. He, he came here, and it is what it is. But, like, how much did you really covet him because of the fact that you didn't actually draft him in the first place? But with that being said, though, Brent, it's it's, it's extremely rare, especially nowadays. Um, with what you're dealing with with the COVID and everything, it's uh, I mean, it's it's like a once in a million type of opportunity. I feel like, and obviously he's making the most of it. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and and he's he's good. That's the thing. Like you kind of know this isn't a fluke when you do it for nine games and the way it looks. Like that's not fluky. Yeah. Like, I think you could wonder. Let's just say Keelan Cole when he came about and he came up like in, when he was um, a younger player and he'd show a flash and stuff. You're like, okay, but that could be fluky. Now it turns out overall it's been pretty good. Right? Yeah. It wasn't a fluke. Oh, he has lacked consistency. But bottom line is it wasn't a fluke. His undrafted free agent now has been in the league for four-plus years. And and he's going to probably get a pretty decent payday, I would suspect, um, next year. I mean, decent. Nothing crazy. So James Robinson, though, you can tell, like, this guy's the goods. You know, and, and there's no question about it. So uh, I want to talk – I want to ask you another question about that. Uh, and something we didn't get to yesterday because we had so much Kyler Murray talk by the fire pit mm. um, about the preseason and the Jags. And I feel like sometimes our conversation might go in another way, and then I can show you James Robinson and what he's done without a preseason. So i uh, get to that in a moment. But I did want to – we teased this, and so I'm going to deliver on it. And that is Florida State – listen, we don't have to spend 10 minutes talking about Florida State, but it's worth noting once again, Chubba Purdy now is out for the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, the guy has surgery, break, uh, broken collarbone, comes back. We finally get a taste of him, and, he, and he's going to probably play more, and he's going to start against Clemson because Jordan Travis got hurt. And now he's out. He's got some issues around the collarbone area. Uh, I guess there's some leftover stuff, if you will. And so uh, he'll be out for the rest of the year. Long term, he'll be fine. But, bam, Chubba Purdy out. James Blackman transferring. Jordan Travis has been in and out. Now he looks like he'll get the start against Clemson. So at least you got a guy who can play. And then, I mean, they have two healthy quarterbacks, Tate Rotemaker, uh, who's done really nothing, <laughs> yeah. and and Jordan Travis. I mean, it's just it's a remarkable first year. Remarkable first year for Mike Norvell. I mean, I, I'm just like, I'm not an FSU fan. I mean, obviously we, we have the games on ESPN 690. I'm not a Gator fan. Not a dog. I don't. I don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah. I just think every time I see a headline on Florida State, all I can think about is, 
Holy cow, Mike Norvell. I hope somebody's rolling on cameras behind the scenes for this documentary all year. Yeah, so to get a little more in-depth with uh, Purdy's, you know, what's going on with him, um, so he had collarbone surgery, and the hardware that was used to, I guess, you know, whether it's repair or whatever the case may be, that hardware, for whatever reason, uh, has inflammation in it. Now, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but obviously I can't feel too good. So he's out for the rest of the season to get the inflammation of the hardware taken care of. So I'm not sure what the recovery time on that is. I'm not sure what that even really entails. But needless to say, he's out. And... You know, this is, it's like the most Florida State thing of all Florida State things. And, and, and I mean that in the worst way possible because I think we're on the same page. I think a lot of, you know, Florida State fans would agree with me. Like, I think this year, Chubba Purdy was supposed to be the guy where it's like, this is the guy going forward, right? Like, or at least find out, right? Exactly. But this is something to, to, to tie your wagon around and say, all right, this is going to be the future of Florida State football. And I like what we see. And we see this happen all the time in college football. Right, you see the, the the true freshman, or you see the young guy come in to take over, and what happens? He absolutely balls out, and it's like, ah, yeah, we're, we're gonna be set for the next couple of years. I mean, you're seeing it right now in Wisconsin, right, of all places where the quarterback isn't really coveted, but like that's how Badger fans feel right now, and I think that's how you know Florida State fans want to feel with Chubba Purdy. Now, you know, his first game that he comes in, obviously, I think he goes 0 for 8, um, has a really bad showing. And then, you know, his last game that he played, and yeah, you know, it was more uh, down than up against NC State. But now he's going, you know, he's out for the season, and it's like, well, what did we really even see? Like, is he the guy going forward? Like, he was supposed to come in and be the savior, and we learned nothing. So, you know, it's like I said, it's like the most Florida State thing to happen. And now you're left thinking if you're a Florida State fan, well, what's going to be the plan going forward now at the quarterback position? Yeah, I mean, listen, he pu- he's the guy that basically pushed, I mean, they pushed Jeff Sims to Georgia Tech because of Purdy. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and listen, Jeff Sims isn't going to win a Heisman, but he certainly looked capable at times and makes you wonder, should they should have ever done that? Uh, all those things. It's just, it's just remarkable to me, Florida State's season. I mean, from off the field to on the field to where they are as a program. And, I mean... Mike Norvell has to be wondering, should I have stayed at Memphis? Yeah. I mean, he has to be. I mean, it's probably not like just now that he's asked that. He's probably asked it like 50 times. Yeah. But, I mean, he had to wonder that. So uh, we'll see. if he, I still think he's the right guy in, in a weird way. I really do. Oof, I, think he, yeah. I think he's going to flip it around for them. Uh, I, I think he has shown tremendous patience without, like, just flipping over tables, which I probably would have done by now. Maybe he's doing that behind the scenes. Yeah. So, We'll see what happens. It's such well, a long way to go from no, Florida State. Though. No, absolutely. But listen, right now if you're a Florida State fan, um, and, and I feel for you, but you're going through it and you're suffering because you see what Florida Gator, the Florida Gators are doing right now, and they're, they're playing at a very high level. You see what Manny Diaz right now is doing in Miami, another program for, you know, it seems like the past decade was in the Dark Angels when all of a sudden they, they hired their guy and Manny Diaz, and now they're playing at a very high level. And here you have loyal old Florida State. You know, just bringing up the rear as usual. Um, hopefully they can turn things around. And obviously to turn things around, you got to have the quarterback to do it. All right. Uh, I'm going to get back to the Jags and James Robinson. Do you think uh, – would the Jags have been better if they had preseason? No. I mean, I don't think it really made that much of a difference. Really? Yeah. You're a big preseason guy, too. I'm a huge preseason guy. Yeah, but I mean, like, what what were you trying to get out of it? Like, what do you think having you know those 
those two preseason games where the starters are going to play, like, what do you think that would do for the team? Well, here's here's the. I wonder if this is a curiosity. Okay, you have four preseason games. Sure. Young guys, you have sixteen of them. Uh, okay, James Robinson's fine. Didn't even need it. Maybe he's even more fresh. But guys like Daniel Thomas, who you didn't insert into the lineup until a couple weeks ago, coming off the bye. Devon Hamilton, who didn't play and really probably as many snaps until a few weeks ago when Avery Jones went out. Uh, maybe a guy like Caleb on Chason, who still is trying to find himself, you know, and show us a player or two. I-, I can give you more examples, but you get my point. Those guys that have either started to come around here now as we're in the midseason, could they have come around maybe four games ago or yeah. three games ago? Would you have found something more that you saw when they flashed in those games in preseason to say, hey, we need to play them more? We need to make these. Mo- we don't have to wait to a buy to make these kind of moves. So I think that's the curiosity. It looks like in the last couple of weeks, especially, guys are coming along. That's a very positive sign. I just wonder if we would know that a little bit more earlier in the year, and maybe in some of these games by now they would have eked out a win or two because of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you probably could have tailored things a little more going off a of preseason um, game film. But at the end of the day, like, to me, and listen, let's be honest here, after that bye week, the Jaguars did change some things around, especially on defense, right? Now all of a sudden their blitz packages look different. They're getting home a little more, um, and that's a credit to Todd Wash. But at the same time, though, like, to me, why would you wait till after the bye week to do that, right? Because, I mean, you could see it three weeks into the season, four weeks into the season. And, yes, so sometimes it's just one game is the outlier and it's not who you are. But when we see it over and over and over again, it's the same thing. Well, that's who you are. That's your identity. Then you got to change things. So maybe you could have saw a couple of discrepancies early on in the preseason games. But at the same time, we were talking about you know bringing on the young talent. We got to assume that that young talent would have been going against young talent themselves. So when I say that, I mean like you know the twos going against the twos or the twos going against the threes, and not necessarily going against the starters. Well, you still get the reps and experience. But it's a whole, whole different ball game when you're a young guy taking on that, that first starting team, obviously, of a regular season game. Yeah, you know what else uh, brings me? Uh, you know, James Robinson brings up all these things in my mind. And one of them is, I was thinking of this when Mike Tomlin was saying so many nice things about him. And Mike Tomlin doesn't need to because they've got good backs and they, they like what they have. But say X team. Do they watch James Robinson? And does that coach or, or the owner go into their their personnel department, scouting department, be like, what the heck? We had seven rounds. Yeah. We had 11 picks. How couldn't you find this guy? What didn't you like about this guy? Do you think that happens? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that happens a little bit, but at the same time, you can't think like that, right? Like, you, you can't live in the past, I guess you would say. Um, you can't overanalyze things, because what good does it do to think like that? Yeah, I I guess, but it also makes you evaluate your guys who are evaluating. Sure. Like if I'm in, if I'm Shad Khan, I'm looking at other teams and be like, wait, we could have had that guy in the second. We could have had Justin Jefferson instead of Caleb on Chase on. We could well, yeah. like, what, why did we? Is is this going to work out, guys, or what did you not see? Yeah, no, no, I get that, and you can literally do that every single year with this team. It seems like sometimes. Yeah, especially um, when you're bad is when yeah. you'd ask these questions. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can always second guess yourself whether it's in the draft or in drafted free agents. I'm sure they have those conversations, but you know, you know how it works in the coaching realms. You got to point to the things that you did do well. Yeah, I just hope Shotcon's doing some of that because that's accountability. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't think you have to live and die on it for the for three weeks in a row, but it's, it's certainly worth pointing out uh, some of the mistakes that have been made. Uh, when we come back, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I'm going to tell you who I think might be the best GM in sports history. Maybe the Jags should go get him. He's available next on ESPN 690. Yeah, Doug is clear the concussion protocol, so he's back at practice, so he's full. LaVisca will be out today, and then we'll, we'll, you know, he'll do some work on the side, and then we'll see where he's at tomorrow. So we're, we're still hopeful. We have him as questionable right now. That is Doug Marone on LaVisca Chanel. Come on, man. I want to see LaVisca play. We need LaVisca bingo back. Sorry, I'm chewing. But, yeah, let's get him back. <laughs> it's a good time to eat. It's always a good time to eat, man. Absolutely. Uh, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos. Uh, all right, quick segment here. And I think uh, a lot of people from the responses I'm getting, uh, are, are they know where I'm going. Sure. And this is obviously an overstatement. Uh, best GM of all time. Well, the best GMs of all time, if you look them up, I mean, listen, I think Pat Riley's probably in the conversation, right? Yeah, he's up uh, there. You know, but... NBA wise, like how do you beat what Red Auerbach put together? Yeah, <laughs> over years. Um, and you know, even all the way into the eighties. Yeah, right. Mikhail, Parrish, Bird, all that. Um, and and any of the great uh, Jerry West, right? Jerry, sure. Jerry West has always been linked to that. So in, in Major League Baseball, you go all the way back to Branch Rickey. Um, you know, you can name your guys. NFL, I really, I think it's like, I think Ernie Acorsi got a ton of love from the Giants. Uh, or the yeah the Giants putting that together, um, so there have been listen every sport if you have a dynasty you're going to have your guy, but nobody has done what Theo Epstein did. Theo Epstein broke an 86 year old drought for the Red Sox and brought in a World Series and then they won more and more and it propelled them to a pretty darn good century so far. Yeah. He went over to the Cubs, who hadn't won and had the, the Billy Goat curse, and he won one there. Mm-hmm. And now what people are saying, it's like, listen, they were already built, especially the Cubs. The Red Sox he helped build, no doubt. Uh, the Cubs, they had a lot of talent, and, and then they got Madden in there as the manager, and, and they got more talent, and that is, that's fine. The bottom line is it's on his resume that they won a World Series. So he added the right pieces. And keep in mind, when the Red Sox won, it was the move that he made to win wasn't necessarily these big bopping stars. It was trading like Nomar Garcia-Para and getting uh, – Roberts and, and guys like Cabrera, uh, middle of the season type of moves to make their defense better up the middle. I mean, he made those kind of moves. So, you know, he's stepping down with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. He's still a very young guy. It's just amazing. I mean, there's nobody in the history that can do what he did. It's unbelievable that he went to the Red Sox and the Cubs and ended up bringing them World Series championships. No, for sure. So this is what you're getting at. You want to bring Theo Epstein here for the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, no, at first I wanted to just kind of, well, yeah, actually. Mm. Uh, well, I, <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I first of all wanted to acknowledge the fact that I don't care what you say from a long, they didn't win enough in Chicago, uh, some of the things, he is one of the greats of all time sure. in that position. And he's, again, he was, did it very young. He was a young guy when he was doing it with the Red Sox. And, the, you know, what is he, in his mid-40s now? I mean, it's incredible what that guy delivered. And 
Then I did have this question. Could a GM ever switch sports? I don't want to find and, out, Brent. And, and be effective? I don't want to find out, man. Do not want to find out. I, I don't want to find out in Jacksonville. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Don't want to find out. I thought I was like I was like wrestling with these uh, scenarios, and obviously you're a talent evaluator in baseball. You know the game of baseball. You know how the mapping of baseball works. You know how putting a team go if you're very good. Like Epstein obviously knows what it t- took to win in those spots, and you know along with his team, very good. I mean Theo Epstein might not know what a running back is versus a defensive end, so I understand it. I, I'm just saying I I'm a little curious as. If some of the positions in sports, and maybe not that one, could be a little bit more transcendent from sport to sport. You don't think so, though, huh? Uh, I mean, listen, I think with Epstein, you know, I think like Billy Bean's up there in, in Oakland. Like, it's a bunch of, I mean, Epstein's an analytical guy, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think when you use analytics, that can get you by a little more than obviously of the X's and O's of what you know about the sport, hands down. So I get that point. But I think you still have to have a feel for the sport. You still have to relate to it a little more. And obviously, Theo Epstein, I'm not sure what his football knowledge is. But once again, I don't want to find out. Well, our real MVB, Matthew says, and I appreciate this. uh, I guess he was asked this question. He said on Chicago Sports Radio this morning, he has too much respect for those who have built careers in other sports to pivot to another. They asked him about Chicago, and that was his answer, uh, the Bears. Oh, and yeah. Well, they can so, use one. Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, again, I mean, if you know how to build a team, could that potentially trump knowing if a guy's better running a 4-3-2 at this position or a 4-3-7? You know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, probably not. And that would be probably disrespectful to a lot of folks that have spent their lives you know, evaluating football players. I get it. Just, uh, I'll tell you what. I At a place that's lost a long time, if I'm Shad Khan, I wouldn't mind having dinner <laughs> with with Theo Epstein. And you know what? Shad's got a place in Chicago. Go have a dinner with Theo Epstein and say, how the hell did you do it? I mean, you could at least ask. Sure. I'm not saying come over here and do it with us, but yeah. you could ask, how'd you do it? Yeah. I guess, man. Well, like I said, I just don't want to find out. I know. I yeah. Know. Wait, listen, when you're the Jags, you can't think that much outside the box. No, no. But I, I thought, mean, hey, Theo Epstein and Urban Meyer together. Why not? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of Urban Meyer, he said something this weekend, and you're going to have fun with this one coming up next, Austin Lane. It's on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.